Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Welcome to another Baseball America podcast. We're wrapping up our look at the farm systems of each and every one of all 30 organizations. We're almost done with these. We're here to the National League West, and today we are talking about the Colorado Rockies. But before we do that, we want to thank you for tuning in today's Baseball America podcast. Our podcast is sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you're a baseball fan, you need to check out Baseballism.com or visit their retail locations in Cooperstown, New York, and Scottsdale, Arizona. Perfect just-in-time for spring training. Visit Baseballism.com and enter the code BA2017 to save 20% off. That's Baseballism.com. That's Baseballism.com. So, John, as we sit here looking at the Rocky system, we talked last about the Diamondback system, and that was a rough one. The Rockies? A little bit, uh, a little bit easier to talk about. A little bit more to talk about here. There's so much more to talk about, JJ. I invited Kyle Glazer to come talk a little Rockies with us too. So, I mean, we're going to talk a little National League West. We just did Diamondbacks podcast, and that's uh, less to talk about. The the Rockies have more. You know, the Rockies the tough one to line up because there's a lot of credible guys. There are, but you know, one of the things we we were up at MLB Network this week, JJ, and we were talking about our Top 100 show, which will air tonight. Uh, we're recording this Friday. We'll have this podcast up by the end of the day, Friday, 9 o'clock, Friday night, uh, February 10th, is uh, when our Top 100 show uh, will be on MLB Network. Top 50 prospects that we go over there, and the 51 to 100 will be on the crawl. And if you're um, listening to this after that, it'll also re-air multiple times. So if yeah. you go to MLB Network and uh, search their schedule, you can find multiple other. I think Saturday at 4 is another one. That's another one. We definitely heard Greg say that one. But, um, you know, one of the things that Greg Amsinger said in his script about the Rockies one of their top prospects was that Brandon Rogers was number one on the BA 500, and on, he was a consensus number one prospect in the 2015 draft, and the Rockies were glad he got to number three. That is true, but he's going to have to do a lot to be better than Dansby Swanson and Alex Bregman, the top two guys drafted ahead of him. And that's kind of where I wanted to start, because Brandon Rogers, they, we did have a lot of options, and they drafted Riley Pint, and they have Jeff Hoffman. I mean, they have a lot of guys stepped into our top 100. You'll see tonight. But Brendan Rogers. I'm very curious to know what, how good you guys think he can be because, for me, he's pretty exciting. And I do think the reason that he was the number one guy in 2015 is that if you believed in him over Bregman and over Swanson, it's because he had the best power of that trio. And I think so far, as good as Bregman's been, I still think that's true with Brendan Rodgers. Kyle, that's why I like him. I'm pretty excited about him. I really like Brendan Rodgers. Uh, if you pick up the prospect handbook, you can see our individual top 50 rankings. I have, I have him jacked up, Mon. I mean, he's a guy that I think shortstops who can hit with legitimate power are so rare that when you can get one, that automatically puts you at such an advantage over 90% of Major League Baseball. And I think Brendan Rodgers can be a guy like that. It's going to be tough to tell, though, how legit the power is because he hit 19 home runs this past year. It looks great, but it's in Asheville, which is a great hitter's park. Next year, he's going to be in Lancaster in the Cal League, another great hitter's park. Yeah. So, you know, if, I was almost, if and they'll just keep going up the ladder. Right. So pretty so much. If he doesn't hit 25, 30 home runs, maybe you want to be a little concerned. But uh, for me, this is a guy that has been an elite talent at every level. He's lived up to it when he's had to so far. Uh, I do have Dansby Swanson ranked ahead of him. I'm a huge fan of Alex Bregman, Ahmed Rosario. This isn't about them, you right. know, how good they may or may not be. I just really think that Brendan Rodgers 
can be and has all the equipment to be a franchise shortstop, not unlike what the Rockies have with Troy Tulowitzki. Now, I'm not saying he's the next Troy Tulowitzki. I'm just saying that type of franchise shortstop you can build around. I think he can be that. I think he can be like a better version, JJ, of Trevor Story, who had this really good rookie year going on last year until he got hurt. Obviously, all kinds of power for Trevor Story. That wasn't a surprise. Neither were the strikeouts. No. But I think that Brendan Rodgers has a better, a more advanced hit tool and hitting ability. Your favorite phrase, hit tool. I'm going to do all of your least favorite things today, Kyle, since Duke be Carolina. So, uh, you know, it's my only way to get back at you. But he's a more advanced, more polished hitter, J.J., at a similar stage, is he not? Yes, and I do think also it's also similar when you talk about him at shortstop. I I think that on the flip side, the thing with Rodgers, if you also say versus Swanson and Bregman, and obviously Bregman's not going to play shortstop, but that's because when you talk about shortstops who can hit for power – but the Astros already have one of those. They have the new Troy Tulowitzki, right. the younger Troy Tulowitzki. <laughs> right. right. You know, but you do look at, I, I do think with Brendan Rodgers, I think he can play shortstop at the big league level, but there's less certainty on that. And really that comes back to more than anything because we're talking about a 20-year-old and we don't know yet what his body's going to look like at 24, 25. Right. Again, I think that it's very plausible, but that's, that, that fits me like Trevor Story. Trevor Story is a shortstop. But at the same time, when Trevor Story was coming up, there were some questions. The hit tool is the big question, but the other one was, is he a shortstop or is he a second baseman long term? Maybe it ends up working out that at that point, you know, he ends up that they, they share, but they, you know, that Story moves to second because Rogers will be younger. But no, I think the hit tool is definitely better than Story's. I think you're going to see more contact ability, and that's, that's kind of what makes him. When you talk about a guy who could be a, a, a shortstop with plus hit yeah. tool, plus power, that is pretty special. And that's why he's jacked pretty high up on our top 100. Yeah, absolutely. And he, I think he needs to be. I mean, I, 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 it's hard to find uh, guys with 200 isolated slugging in low class A who are uh, middle infielders. This guy, hit, I mean, I know, I know a lot of it, and the home road splits were pretty extreme at, at Asheville for him. I do think, A, most young players are better at home because – you're not traveling. Traveling is hard. First year, especially when you're 18, you're yeah. not used to it. There's no question. But also, JJ, this is a guy who last year had a pretty underwhelming pro debut. I mean, Brendan Rogers for being a top kind. prospect. I am for a top prospect. He went out of the Pioneer League, and you know his my, his high school season ended in April in 2015, which you know Florida. Clean it up, please, with your high school baseball. Let these guys play. They're already playing high school baseball games that count right now in Florida in February, and the season ends in April. I mean, like, clean it up. Come on, man. It's ridiculous that Florida's high school season ends so early and they restrict the number of games these kids play. But that's a whole other story. But that's why I also try not to read too much into a guy's pro debut mm-hmm. their draft year, whether it's the college guys who are exhausted after a long season, the high school guys who have just finished up prom and graduation, and high school playoffs, and... Now they signed a bunch of money, and their mind is whirling, and they're in some cases flying to the other side of the country they've never been before. Right, but the I mean, superstars, though, the superstars don't let that phase them. They jump right in, and hey, you know, Chris Bryant went over five with five strikeouts. I think in his first game there, I think with over five, three strikeouts and three errors, something like that. His Arizona League first game stunk. His Northwest League first game stunk. But guess what? After that, he was like, "Hey, I'm Chris Bryant. I'm going to conquer this," and he conquered but, every level, and he finished that year dominating the Florida State League and then MVP of the Fall League. I mean, that's a superstar example, but that's what the superstar, you want to see the guys 
you want it doesn't mean that you can't be a star and still be a good big league with a bad debut, but the superstars very rarely have poor debuts. So it is an indicator. I think some of that is also have to take into account college versus high school. There's an age component there. And I, but yeah. I the way I view it is, I give a ton of credit to a guy who has a great debut. I'm not willing to kill a guy who doesn't. I, I think that's very fair. I think the thing that's also indicative with it, though, is, is that that is such, just something to watch for is, is that there are also our body types. Brendan Rodgers is the body type. What happened with that is, is he had there was some injury issues, but a lot of that stemmed from he gained a little weight during That's that time. That's what happened. He got he got done with high school season at the end of April, and then basically did some workouts. But he knew he was going to go high in the draft, so he didn't bust it in that for a whole month. And then he went to the Pioneer League. He was like, hey, wait a minute. This is a not a complex league. B this is a little bit so it's a little bit more challenging. And B. He's playing every, wait a minute, we played we another game today, played another game tomorrow, and he played 37 games. He basically played half the system, wasn't season, in great yeah. sh- season, got wasn't in great shape, and had these but nagging so, injuries. So that's, again, the thing that's to me most indicative from that is this, it's just telling us, and it's just telling Brendan Rodgers, that he's going to have to stay on top of his body because he is someone, <laughs> that's right. he is someone who, there are guys whose body types are such that, they are going, their natural, everything about them is, is they're going to stay shortstop size no matter what they do. Yeah. Brendan Rodgers is a guy who has to work to stay on top of it with the agility, yep. with all those things to stay shortstop size. But the, the best thing that he did was he played 110 games this year and he was pretty consistent month to month, had a very steady first full pro season, and I, I think he's on pace to be an offensive middle infielder and athletic enough to play either second or shortstop. I don't think he. I think he's gonna wind up being that guy where if he's a shortstop, you could probably find someone who's a better defender at shortstop. I do think he has the ability, the hands, and the but, actions to be a very solid, reliable shortstop. The, the, the Dodgers did pretty well with an yeah. offensive shortstop who, by no who, I mean, let's be honest, Different Brendan Rodgers. But Brendan Rodgers in low A, but scouts view him as much more of a shortstop than they ever did with Corey Seager. Yeah, I think you're that's, that's very fair. So. Then this is a system where I, I want to focus on the hitters because the hitters are easy for the for the Rockies because it's easier to hit in their organization. Um, the other guys who ranked in their top ten were Ramel Tapia, Tom Murphy, and Ryan McMahon. Ryan McMahon had a precipitous drop this year. Um, he's number nine, still in their top ten. The Rockies still believe. But guys, this was a here's a guy a couple of years ago I thought was one of the budding stars in the low minors. Athletic, profile at third base, profile tools. He looked like it was hit over power. The hitting ability, he, he struck out a lot in the low minors. But Kyle, he hasn't he's he has not gained more control of the strike zone. So the more pitchers throw the more pitchers are throwing strikes, the more he's striking out. And you saw it in the Cal League in 2015. I saw him in the Cal League and I saw him in high school at Modern Day. Uh, yeah. you know, he's yeah. a guy I've actually seen for a while now. And and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here and say, you know, I saw it coming because I, I thought he'd be better than he has been, but I think the thing with him was he was always a guy that I think a lot of people got so excited about the athleticism, they were willing to overlook some of the maybe the, the tools shortcomings. Mm-hmm. And for me, he's a guy that you had to project, I think, more than people gave him credit for. And to me, that at least I thought that was pretty clear in high school. Um, then we've seen it in pro ball where he's not a he's not a baseball player he's a great athlete who is still really fine tuning the baseball skills yeah and by i mean the rockies have pushed him you know fairly aggressively they have. i mean he's a double a he didn't his... conquer high a in no. 2015 so, he was good but he wasn't i mean he did strike out a lot you could have started him back there at his age 
And Hartford was challenging because they didn't have a home field all year. Right. So I think the combination of he was he was always a guy that, you know, maybe if everything clicked, and it, it still could. I'm not saying he's a bust, write him off. I just I think that people were overly high on him and maybe how polished he was because they just love the athleticism. I think Southern California it. thing is a big aspect of it. I think you go to modern day and you play in that league. What, what's that league called? Trinity League. Trinity League. Yeah. I mean, you can make a case the Trinity League is the best high school conference for baseball in, in the country. I mean, you it's, 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 if it's not wanted, it's in the conversation for top 10 any year. Right. Year, yes. Right. So that's what I'm saying. So I think the fact that even if he was a football guy playing baseball, that you think in that conference he's seen – the caliber of pitching you're going to see in pro ball, not, not every time, but most of those guys who are your aces in the Trinity League it's a are high-level college. Exactly. No, so. there's no question. But again, it comes back to you know it's facing um, uh, in high school. No matter how good your high school, you're facing a pro-caliber pitcher maybe once every couple of starts. In the pros, you're facing one every single That's start. It. It's a big difference. I, I I do think his polish got a little overestimated because of the modern-day factor in their schedule. JJ, there's no organization that loves drafting high school third basemen like the, <laughs> like the Colorado Rockies. They used to be known for drafting quarterbacks, and I'll still probably do that rhyming band. Right, especially from Southern California. Nolan Arenado, Southern California guy. Tyler Nevin, Southern California guy. But they went, they went South Florida. California guy. They went South Florida this year with Colton Welker, um, you know, who was the, our, you know, the, the force behind uh, Miami's Douglas High School winning our uh, being our number one team in the in the – High school rankings. I'm. I'm. I asked Bill Schmidt about this during draft report cards this year. It's like, why do you guys keep trading to the high school third base? He's like, we like high school third base, but Nolan Arenado worked out pretty good. We like McMahon. We like Welker. We like Nevin. And he's like, they had Kevin Padlow. Marriott they traded him, so they like those guys. You know, they have a pretty decent track record with these guys. I wonder if there's one of these three guys that you like best: McMahon, Welker, Nevin. Um, I, Nevin was strange. I. It's. I mean. You want to talk about if anyone got the report for their 2016 season back and it said to be, you know, to be, you know, incomplete. Yes, exactly. It, Nevin is the incomplete because we, I mean. One at bat. Yeah. One at bat. He, he batted a thousand. He did bat a thousand. But we still don't know what we're going to see with him. I mean, that's really what it, you know, what it comes down to. I'm a little worried with McMahon because I understand as you get closer to the big leagues, you also, okay, we're going to try you at first base because barring a catastrophic injury, third base is handled. But that being said, Ryan McMahon as a first baseman is not a prospect to me. Yeah, not if the bat doesn't come around a lot. I I mean, I I don't think, even when I like him, and I like him, you know, but I never thought the bat would be one where you say, he's a guy you're really comfortable at first base. What was selling point was is he was going to play third base. It's the same thing. Again, sometimes I know I get too focused on positional fits and all that, but it's the same thing I still come back to with Tapia. With Ramel Tapia is, is okay, if he's a center fielder, the, the bat fits better to me, still fits better to me than if he's in a corner, especially if he's in left field. Now, that being said, left field has become the wasteland of, yeah. of, pro, of Major League Baseball, so maybe you know, Tapia's, Tapia will be fine there. All he has to do really is be better than uh, well, no, that's not true. Uh, David Dahl's would be their left fielder probably yeah. in the big leagues. David Dahl is really, really good, and he's way better than Romel Tapia. I have to say, Romel Tapia has been one of the more vexing prospects in the last couple of years, and that I don't understand why some publications or writers are so excited about Romel Tapia, and I just think it's obvious. My favorite word: he doesn't have impact. Where's the impact? 
because he hits for a very high average. But it seems like he's sabermetrically inclined. Love Ramel Tapia, and he doesn't hit for power, and he doesn't steal bases efficiently, and he doesn't draw a million walks. I don't get it. The, I, just, I just, I just, I want someone to explain to me why he's so exciting so, so, and thrilling. And I, and I, I will take that ball because seeing him at Modesto, he's a guy when he's on the field. It, it sounds weird, but it, it's a, it's a playmaker thing. It's an electricity right. thing. And for me, when absolutely I see that. That's There's why I don't get the analytically inclined liking him. So, so to me, you know, and this is my prior to joining BA, I definitely thought that Tapia was, you know, there's always guys that in every publication that, you know, might get some high-low, mm-hmm. and I definitely thought he maybe wasn't getting some of the love he deserved. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say I think he's a future all-star, but to me, just the, he's a, he's a catalyst, a guy you can absolutely throw in center field, stick atop your lineup, Make some really good plays, and would you want to put a guy with a three thirty on base at the top of your lineup? And that's sort of and that's sort of because how's he a catalyst if he's a three thirty on base? And, and that's sort of the question if it keeps getting better or not. And I think when you look at sort of okay, he makes a lot of contact. You see athleticism. Yes. You see an ability to to, you know, you mentioned impact. I think it's how you define impact. Is it you know is an impact in terms of hitting baseballs over the fence or impact in terms of, you know, he's constantly putting the ball in play and making things happen. You know, I think for me, that's that's where there's an impact. And maybe maybe it's, you're right, maybe it's not, you're, he's probably not going to lead off here in the major leagues, but. I actually think that the problem with Tapia, I think he's overrated offensively, because he does make a lot of contact. He made more contact this year, but it's not power contact. So I think he's a little overrated on the offense because he doesn't steal bases efficiently. He's never drawn a ton of walks. He's a singles hitter who frankly makes a lot of outs, kind of like Juan Pierre. I actually think where he's underrated is I think he's gotten better defensively. So, J.J., your concern earlier about him being a left fielder, I don't think that's actually what he is anymore. I think he's more of the scouts I talk to when I help with our PCL stuff, but he's gotten better defensively, and he can handle center field more. I also think that in course field, you got to have corner guys who can run. Right. So I actually think he's a little overrated offensively, where I do think the contact and putting the ball in play and that he's speedy – I think that's an old-school approach where you like him more than you probably should. But I think he's underrated defensively. So I think he actually fits. I like him better now than I did before, which is kind of weird. But I just thought he was – I thought he was overrated before. Now I almost think – I don't want to say he's underrated. I think he's more properly rated now because he's actually, I think, more of an option for them in center field if they need him, if they were to trade Charlie Blackman. For me, he's their, he's their option in center field. And I think, again, defensively, he might fit in left field for them, whereas you know, David Daldemy is a, a profile right fielder. I know they have Cargo, but if they decide to trade Cargo, David Dahl's a profile right fielder who could play center, kind of like an Andy Vance like. The guy, one of the position players that I really like, that I do feel is somewhat like kind of gets forgotten sometimes, is Tom Murphy, because Tom Murphy is good enough defensively to catch in the big leagues. See, you, you like Tony Walters better. They have like... Oh, I do love Tony Walters. Tony Walters is like... Rancho Buena Vista is Tony Walters. They have like the yin and yang of characters. They have the undersized, draws a lot of walks, gritty gamer guy. Who can, who can, who can slide to shortstop if you need him for a game. Base. Yeah, no. I, I, yeah, let's say second base. He's, yeah, he's yeah. played shortstop in the big leagues. He's played it. He's, that's fine. <laughs> but, uh, but but Murphy is the power brutish catcher. Yes. Who will? I mean, but again, you put him 400 at bats. How many home runs does he hit? Oh, especially playing course, 25 easy. I mean, he's hit eight home runs and 79 big league at bats already. So he's been. I don't know. It's been impressive. <laughs> I, I mean, he actually yeah, he had, is he had 19 and 303 at bats at Albuquerque last he's year. He's what too. people thought Peter O'Brien could be, but he can actually catch. Now, is he a Gold Glove catcher? No. no. 
Does he go above the Tyler Flowers line? Yeah. Yes. He'll throw out more than two guys. I'm sorry that we keep banging on Chipola's own Tyler Flowers. I love Tyler Flowers' career, but the dude threw out two guys in like 58 attempts in the big leagues last year. So I think Tom Murphy, and I think it's a nice compliment that you have an energy guy like Walters and a big power strong guy in Murphy. I think the Rockies have some potential behind the plate. So the the the, the upshot of all this is that the the the, the Rockies had this very interesting offseason. I think Ken Rosenthal, I'm going to cite him, thinks that the, the only three teams spent more money this offseason on their big league roster than the Rockies, but it was on like Mike Dunn and Ian Desmond, and it was a little bit of a weird offseason. But I do feel like the Rockies are ready to take a step forward. Here, here's their lineup, guys. I mean, it's basically Dahl, Blackman, Cargo in the outfield with Gerardo Parra as a highly priced fourth outfielder, but that's what he is. You probably need that with Dahl's injury track record and Cargo's injury track record. Ian Desmond, DJ LeMay, batting champ DJ LeMayhew, Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado, in contention for the best player in the National League. By, by the way, when you say batting champ, it is one of the things that if you play for Colorado, <laughs> it is in the last it, 22 years. Yeah, it, it is basically something where it's like there is a certain amount of birthright of, you know, okay, so who who among us is going to win the batting title exactly. this year? I mean, uh, we, we need to play 81 games a year at Coors Field and then another 10 at Chase Field in yeah, Arizona. Absolutely. I mean, you, get, you get 90 plus games where you can really elevate your batting average. Uh, so, and then you have Walters and Murphy behind the plate. That's a That's a. That's a playoff caliber lineup for me. No I love I love David Dahl. Um, uh, and then the rotation. We'll see if Chad Bettis is healthy from his offseason bout testicular cancer. All signs are pointing to yes. positive. Chad Bettis has been sneaky good the last couple of years. Tyler Chatwood, another SoCal guy, has been sneaky decent for them. I think it's hard for him to keep that going. His walk strikeout ratio is never great. Jonathan Gray really stepped forward last year. Club record 16 strikeouts in that one game. I think he's a further rotation guy waiting to happen. Tyler Anderson, hashtag Team Vegas, but also like after a career of injuries was really but, good. And as we year. talked about it on the Diamondbacks, it's like you you spot him in as the he's the change of pace kind of guy. And then you got Jeff Hoffman and Herman Marquez, two highly rated prospects battling for the fifth starter job. And then below you have Kyle Freeland. You have some other guys. I mean, it's funny. People no more Eddie Butler, DFA. We, we we used to like that guy. You know, this is a team that when I when I'm looking at a major league team and what I want to see, I want to see a top to bottom lineup that's dangerous, no automatic outs in there, mm-hmm. and starting pitching that has both that front line proven talent and the depth. And the Rockies have it all. I mean, yeah. this to me is a team that, frankly, as long as you know the injuries don't hit, which you never can predict. I wouldn't be shocked if I could see them finishing in second place in the NOS. I can see them jumping the Giants. I'm not going to predict it when we come out and do our season predictions, Yeah. but it wouldn't shock me. I really think that's how good this team is. A lot of it is going to be injury-based. A lot of it's going to be dependent on the starting pitching and how those guys come up, how effective they are, because we all know Coors Field can mess with people's heads. Yes. Jeff Hoffman was not great when he came up, gave up a lot of home runs. Marquez will be getting his first shot. Maybe if uh, Sensatella is healthy again, he'll have a shot. But I love I love Tyler Anderson back to his Oregon days. I remember yeah. covering a game, ASU Oregon, having never heard of the kid, and I watch him and I'm go, yeah, this kid's legit. Yeah, no, he you know, really puts the ball where he wants to put it. I mean, he's he's a command-oriented left-hander. 
His stuff's the movements late. He just had he just was never healthy right. until last year. Right, you add John Gray and Tyler Chatwood, you know, you mentioned what's sustainable or not. You look at him, his road numbers, he's actually one of the best pitchers of baseball. He's had a little bit of trouble in course. Yeah. But I mean this is a guy who's been a solid when he's when healthy, a solid pitcher for And that was Tommy John. Time. He came back from Tommy John. Second Tommy John. Yeah, too. with 160 innings last year. So yeah. that's a really encouraging sign. They don't have as much as many rotation options actually as the Diamondbacks do, but their rotation options, I think, are as good as the Diamondbacks. To me, well, wait till we get to the Giants. Great. And again, it's now it's not, you know, but when you talk about rotation options, yeah. the Giants, you can put together a plausible backup 10. Right. Now, right. there are a lot of fifth starters in that, but there's a lot, like, well, pretty much their entire rotation at AAA and AA could be like, yeah, that guy could pitch in the big leagues for you. you know. The thing is, all those guys are young for the, for the, for the Rockies. That's the one thing, like, you almost would love to see if there was one, like, "Quote unquote proven veteran in the middle of that, but in a way, it's almost better there is. I mean, the oldest guy there all is these Chad guys, Metis, all these guys grew up. Nope. I, I think there's some advantage to it. None of those guys go. You know, if I could just be back in fill in the blank right. where my pitching didn't, you know, get punished on a, you know, like right. all these all these pitchers basically largely have grown up accepting the fact that That's a it. four and a half ERA is That's a good it. year. Like their their extra guy is basically is Jordan Lyles, who's a young veteran. But he's twenty six. Well, even I mean, Chatwood's been in the majors now since twenty eleven, so it's, right. he just came up young. He's so twenty seven. He's, he's been there five six years. He's not a total babe. I think that's the way to go. Honestly, in Coors Field, I'm looking again. I, I like the fact that they've been able to develop some pitching of their own. Mm -hmm. They haven't just basically thrown up their hands and said, "Because yeah. which they've done in the past." That's I mean, that, this is do, the yeah, thing yeah. that they've done here. That I think. I mean, when we talked about, we just did the, when we did the Diamondbacks podcast. We talked about how they have switched courses over and over. These and the, the weird, opposite. The weird thing about it is, is that the Rockies have changed who's at the top of the of the flow chart. Yeah, with Jeff Breivich. They've changed that multiple times. And they've changed some things like, okay, now this year we're going to, you're going to be in charge of the minors and you're going to be a You know, they've switched yeah. things up. Exactly. Wilson's farm direct, a little more analytically inclined than Sam Gebhardt was. But all that being said, there has been, the, I feel like there's finally some consistency as far as there was this, they, they finally kind of accepted we have to figure out a way to develop pitching, yeah. and we can't just say we can't just say we got to find this certain type who fits in, in Coors Field. We're going to have a variety, and we're going to figure out which of those guys can do it. Well, the way that Tracy Reedlesby articulated it in this year's uh, organization overview, and we're happy to have Tracy, Baseball America's uh, founding uncle, as we like to call him, uh, you know, helped Alan Simpson start this magazine. So Tracy's been with us for 35, 36 years. The way he wrote it in the org overview is. You know, the, the Rockies have decided to stop looking at gimmicks to fix their pitching. They've decided to just try to find better arms. Let's, let's find power arms. Let's find a guy who's been a breaking ball. We're not going to steer everybody away from a curveball because we're at altitude. We're going to find good pitchers and hope they pitch well. And pitching well in cores will be measured differently than pitching well elsewhere. But I, I kind of like the fact that it's a little bit less gimmicky approach. And the other constant in this has been Bill Schmidt and the scouting department. Bill Schmidt has been their scouting director. I think he's the longest tenured scouting director in the game since 2001. Since Matt Harrington, if we're crying out loud. I think 2002 might have been his first draft. I think he took over either after Harrington, the year after Harrington, it was 2000. So he would have started in 2001. He's been doing this for them for a long time. Demont, Danny Montgomery, the best dressed scout in the game. I mean, if you see a, a dapper looking gentleman with shiny cowboy boots, a salt and pepper beard, a little salt and pepper in the hair, 
I mean, Demon, he knows the demon. Demon knows he's a handsome guy. Which is like, you don't miss Demon when Demon's at the game. And he's just awesome. And I think I've talked to him for 15 years and he's never given me his phone number. I have to talk to him at games. And Demon's almost like, hey, you know, I can't talk to you anymore. You know, like, I mean, just Demon's awesome. I love Demon. Jay Matthews, uh, they've, had, uh, they've had a couple of defections in their scouting department the last couple of years. But the guys like Damon Ionelli and these guys, Demon and Bill Schmidt, these are guys at the top of their scouting chain. They've been in that organization. These are like original Rockies. I mean, these guys have been in this organization for a long time. On the scouting side, I have a lot of confidence in the Rockies, knowing what they're looking for. They know what they, they believe in, and they execute it. And they've been a pretty good scouting and player development organization over the years. It's just hard to win at course. I think they've decided to stop being gimmicky on the big league side. I think that's probably a good way to but, do it. But let me ask both of y'all. You said you could see them being, you know, this is, you know, and this seems like the funny thing is that I feel like that the Rockies are being talked about by so many people as being the surprise team that I, I also I, see them finishing fourth right. place. There's I a feel, huge range of outcomes, I think. Yes. I personally feel like that the reality is, is that I think when it's all said and done, they're probably not going I, to. I, I think, didn't like their off season. I would have liked their team better. Yeah, I like them better than you do, but for me, I would have loved for them to sign Mark Trumbo. Right, it made no sense to sign Ian Desmond for seventy million when you could have had Mark Trumbo, a true first baseman, for thirty nine. But I think the, that was odd. The, the explanation I've gotten from talking to club officials has been they wanted the better athlete, which yeah. they think that's what plays at Coors Field for sure, and I and that's undeniable. He's the better athlete, and the makeup on Ian Desmond for them, and there are consistent reports over the years that this is a winning type ball player that would have been easy does in the clubhouse in Washington and Texas. But they paid a lot. And Trumbo's for, also a really good makeup guy. It's not like he's a bum. He's also a good right. makeup but they, guy. But they paid a lot for that with Ian Desmond. Now, maybe he's also an insurance policy for them at shortstop of Trevor Story. Shortstop, center. Field. I mean, you, the thing about it is, is he does give you some versatility there on a team that, has, as you said, has had some injury issues. I just look at this, though, and again... It still was a surprising move. It's yeah. a surprising move. And I guess, like you said, you can see them finishing second. If they do that, is that second at 86, 88, or is that second at 90, 92? I, I was thinking more of the 84 to 86 range. I mean, for me, I think when, I, when we do our predictions, I'll predict them for third place. I can see them getting up to second. I can also see if the young pitching doesn't develop and the injuries hit again, they can also win 74 games. I mean, I, there's a huge range of outcomes here, partially because of their youth and yeah. injury history at some of the key spots. David Dahl, Trevor Story, et cetera. This is their 25th season. They've never won more than 92 games in a year. I mean, never won more than 92 games. So predicting them, <clears throat> to me, their upside is 90 wins. That's the upside of this roster. And a lot has to go into it. But I think 90 wins could be good enough to be a postseason team this year. Still going to be tough, though, because you, you, oh, yeah. right. you do have – I mean – Again, you look at it and you say the second team in the Central, the second team in the East, and the Giants, because, again, oh, yeah. it's – but the thing they do have, and I don't know if they need to use it this way, but, again, we talk about this farm system. They do have pieces. If, they, if they're sitting there in July yeah, and, they're they're, in. and they have the nucleus of a 90-win team, but they need a couple of pieces – this is a team now that has some pieces to trade. I feel like a little better than they did, you know, a few years ago. I like this farm. I do like the farm system a lot, mainly because of the depth. I mean, there are some guys that I'm not big on who you know, made the 30, but you look at it overall, and I, and I do feel like that this is a this is a very solid 30. 
that second level pitching with guys like Yancey Almonte, Sam Howard, those are really good guys who do have big league arms. A yeah, lot their of- pitching depth is interesting. Like David Hill. I really like David Hill in last year's draft. I'll tell you, like, my personal cheese ball in this system is a fast mover is Parker French. Yep. <laughs> Parker French is, is Matt Bellisle 2.0. I think he's going to have a long career as a sinker balling middle reliever. That's not a super high ceiling, but hey, Matt Bellisle is going to have a pension. He's been in the big leagues forever. Parker French could be in the big leagues forever. Here's a little two-seamer. Hit this one in the ground. Here comes hey, another one. My league ERA champ. I, I like Parker French. He's a, also a sneaky future back in the rotation guy if his command continues to be this. For, I think he's more of a control over command guy. But you know, he was a he was a really competitive pitcher. He competes. That's what I like about Parker well, French. I'll, I'll he ask you, is not. He has no fear. We, he's we had, scared. We had a Twitter question about Ben Bowden. We talk about yeah. Vandy boys. So what what do you think about Ben Bowden and kind of how he fits in all this? I think he's the fast mover. I think he's like you know in this in this uh, a much bigger version of like we had we talked about Zach Curtis in the last podcast. Zach Curtis and Sam Mole are two birds of a feather. These little lefties. Ben Bowden's a power big left hander, but a guy's going to move I think very quickly through the minor leagues. Spins a breaking ball up to ninety five from the left side and shorter bursts. Was really good in the Cape. Uh, he checked all those boxes that a lot of teams like. I like Ben Bowden, but I think he's more of a bullpen option, um, which is, you know, you could use that. If, again, I, internally, to me, French and Bowden and maybe Almonte are three arms who could help their big league bullpen potentially this year. Speaking of a guy as a bullpen option long term, I know that they're going to try to make Robert Tyler a starter. I understand yes, that. But he's a future reliever. <laughs> if, Robert no Ty- if, Ro- I mean, if Robert Tyler ends up as a starter, that is a great development story because – there's a lot that has to go right for him to start. Yes. But at the same time, if you said, we put him in the pen, and he moved pretty quick. I can you see that, too. put him in the pen, he's going to blow 99 with a good changeup. And again, fastball changeup righty, I love that profile in the bullpen. Starting pitching, not so much. But in the bullpen, I really like that option. So it's interesting because, again, all these guys we're talking about here are like the third-level pro- pitching yeah. prospects in the Rockies organization. Right. They got that top level. That's why I like their system. Yeah, it's something where I, I like the major league product. I like the system in place. I mean – you know, JJ again, you asked how many wins will it be this year. I, I think, you know, everything goes right. It's 84 to 86. Now, next year, the year after, then I start, you know, again, it's going to depend on some injuries and, and right, smart but they, trades. But I do see the roots here, John, for them to eventually best that 92 win best at course. It's goal. a young big league roster. I mean, and I don't And think there's you, young pitching on the way. Right. And I don't think you underestimate, they actually have a dude. <laughs> There's going to be a month during this season where Nolan Arenado is going to win them games on his own. That guy is so stinking good and so much fun to watch. And I love watching Nolan Arenado. I just love watching him play defense. It's beautiful. All of it. And then, oh, by the way, he's one of the best hitters in baseball, too. It's I mean, crazy. It's he's fun. probably the best hitter who walks the least in the big leagues by a wide margin. I mean, like he's, he's the best example of you don't have to walk a lot to be a great hitter. It's harder. It makes his degree of difficulty much harder. But he keeps doing it year after year, which gives me a lot of confidence. The other guy I like, uh, again, is a, is a, uh, a guy's in the teens, is Garrett Hampson. Not because I think Garrett Hampson's going to be incredible or anything like that. I'm but, glad you mentioned him. But the reality of it is, is that this was a bad shortstop draft. Let's just last yes. year was a bad college shortstop yes. draft. That being said, there are going to be some college shortstops who come out of it who end up being big leaguers, and Garrett Hampson is as plausible to do that as basically anyone. I agree. They're, they're second level. Middle of the diamond guys. I want to make sure I ask about some Cal League guys here. Uh, just so, but they're they're middle of the diamond guys. So they have we mentioned their first level guys, Rogers and Murphy, a shortstop and a catcher. 
Their second level Milva Diamond guys, that we mentioned Tapia as a potential short, short, uh, center fielder, are Dom Nunez, Gary Hampson, Forrest Wall. You can talk a little bit about Hampson if you want. I'm sure you saw him some of Long Beach State, uh, Team Reno, and don't ever ask John Savage about uh, Gary Hampson. We'll just well, throw that out there right I now. I don't say what Gary Hampson is. Was the last four Long Beach State shortstops have all been big leaguers? It's a tradition Espinosa, unlike any other. Tulo, Duffy. Who are we forgetting? Uh, we're forgetting uh, Bobby Blake, uh, Bobby Crosby. Right, I mean, so so Crosby, Tulo, Longo, because Longo was a shortstop when Tulo was hurt. Also, fun to say Tulo and Longo. Espinosa, um, Duffy. Espinosa, Duffy, and then this guy, yeah, Gary Hansen. Like the last five, so just by that pedigree alone. I mean, hashtag legacy. I mean, that's really. <laughs> it's impressive. And, and Gary Hampson had a great debut. Not a good debut. But this is a guy who, very controlled running game at Long Beach State. He got in the pro ball, and they're like, hey, Run, run when you can, because the Big West, you've seen it. The reason, big number one reason, Big West games take so long is that when a guy gets on base, it's like, okay, here comes the catcher. We're not Facebook Live, but he's going through a billion signals. The pitcher's gonna pick the first twenty times. That doesn't happen in the Northwest League. Northwest League, you get on first base. I'm gonna throw. I gotta work on my fastball. You're just going. The pitcher's just going. <laughs> the catcher ain't got a million signals. My favorite story of this all time is Sean Martin Spider uh, coming out of the Cal State Fullerton. Uh, staff, I think 2003 was his last year in uh, college baseball. He goes the next year to the Giants' low class A team, and Roberto Kelly's going through all their. They're just they're just going through in and out, and it's like yeah, it's a basic in and out. And the season's getting ready to start, and Sean Murphy goes up to him afterwards and goes, "Hey, Skip, do we have any bunt defenses?" And he's like, "Bunt defense, the South Atlantic League." <laughs> he's like, "Can I put in a bunt defense with our pitchers? Can I do that on in and out tomorrow?" So, whatever, you know, go ahead. So Sean Murphy, just because he went to Fullerton. And they probably had 40 bunt defenses. Puts in a bunt defense for the low class A Augusta Green Jackets. That nothing else tells you the difference between the Big West and minor league ball more than that. When he said he felt naked without a bunt defense. Let's be honest. When he said, "Can I put in a bunt defense?" Oh yeah, he probably had like, 10 on his. He's like he's like he's sitting there going, "Okay, okay, <laughs> I can't teach all 10 we have. Let I, me see. I got I got to boil it down to like the two best ones." Yeah, yeah, he's like. He's like uh, Frank the Tank in, uh, in old school, where he's like, you know, I don't know if we're going to have time. He's got to go to Bed Bath & Beyond. He's got to put in a bug defense. I'm not sure we'll have time. You know, that, that, that's, that, that's how these, these big West players. So freed up a little bit in pro ball, a little less structure, uh, 36 steals and 40 attempts for Garrett Hampson. And the, the thing is, in the Big West, they do teach you how to play baseball. Yeah. Troy Buckley's got a pro ball by, background, yeah. head coach no at Long Beach State. And that, that legacy, Troy Buckley's part of building that with Mike Weathers and, of course, Snowman. Well, so you know how to play the game when you come out of Long Beach State and show. That's part of why, you know, and I'm probably biased here. You know, people who may not be as familiar with college baseball ask me, hey, is there is there like a, you know, an old school BCS? And I say, well, you know, it's Pac-12, Big 12, you know, ACC, SEC. For me, I consider the Big West one of the Big Five cards just because of yes. the championship history, the player quality. I mean, everything depth, to me. The depth of that league is undersold around. College baseball. As I tried to tell you guys last year. <laughs> but no, no, yes. yeah. Well, no, a... well, the thing is, in recent years, it had been bad. But now three years in a row, three different Big West teams yeah. have gone to the College Series with the Gauchos, the Titans, and, of course, uh, yeah. so, uh, the so Zod, But going, making it back to Hampson, I mean, it's, it's a great program. It's a great pedigree. You know, again, the guys who, you know, hey, they'll get to the majors because they've got X, Y, and Z from, you know, a skill set, a pedigree, a knowledge of how to play the game. Now, what that impact will be, we'll see. But... Again, a lot of teams don't have shortstop prospects who will eventually be in the majors. The yeah. Rockies have two, probably a third in there somewhere. Yeah, no, there's, they're, they're, it's a good system. Um, yeah. Let's wrap up with some of their Cali guys. 
Dom Nunez, converted catcher, pretty and I see an Outgrove guy too. Is yeah, he's he? an Outgrove guy. He, he missed some time with. with <laughs> I always forget Dom Nunez in my Outgrove rant. Yeah, he. Uh, he sorry, uh, Dom. Do you know? Uh, sorry to interrupt real quick, but so we you got to do Outgrove because I don't think there's Derek anyone. Hill, Dom Nunez, Rowdy, Rowdy Tellez, Nick Madrigal is not in the book. Dylan Carlson, and JD Davis. Yeah. That's your upgrade. I was going to say, because we've not talked about the 2013 prep class from Tennessee in at least two podcasts. So I, you know, <laughs> I have to at least mention it, because if otherwise, I think we have shot callers that go off if we don't mention it. <laughs> I think that's right. Sorry, well, I apologize well, for interrupting. It's funny you mention that, because uh, when I was at the Riverside Press Enterprise, one of my coverage teams was Temecula Valley. They won the Boris Classic South Division, and they went and played Elk Grove oh, in the Boris Classic State game. And at the time, we knew about Derek Hill, but as time's gone on, it's like, wow, that was a really good team. And I mean, that's six dudes I just mentioned who are all either in top 30s or, in Madrigal's case, preseason All-American. I mean, that's yeah. ridiculous. No question. I, but going back, I mean, you know, Nunez, to be completely honest, uh, did not impress a lot in the Cali this year. A lot of guys, Dom Nunez, Forrest Wall, some of these guys yeah, really his forced force wall. I really did, want to talk about force wall. Okay, a lot of these guys did not do much in the Cal League to impress guys, which it's interesting. As I was covering the Cal League for a few years, I just kept noticing every year, like you could almost see it happening. Modesto always had an arm or two. That was you know, first it was Eddie Butler, who also didn't work out, and Chad Bettis, and then yeah. coming through, you saw John Gray come through, you saw uh, Tyler Anderson come through, and then this past year you saw. Ryan Castellani come through, who and Parker French, and Parker, Parker <laughs> French, who is not—I wouldn't put it at the same level, but Correct. the Rockies have been. There's always been a really good starting armor to a Modesto every year for the last, you know, four or five years, and we're seeing that come to fruition now. The position players, really, strangely enough, I mean, Trevor's story obviously has worked out. Arenado was there, but in terms of like recent three, four, five years, position players outside of Corey Dickerson, there hasn't been mm. a real legit. Stud. So I think I like Corey Dickerson. Yeah. So I think uh, I you know Dahl was there for a very brief time, so I, he counts. But I mean, it, it's something where I think when you look at the Modesto teams of recent years, it's actually been the pitching that's been the strong suit that's come through the system. And that was the case this year with Castellani, who was Absolutely. outstanding there, uh, number one prospect in the league, twenty years old, one hundred sixty-eight innings. The Rockies are not afraid to work their pitcher. Pitchers well, it's weird because with him they, they were. I mean, they were limiting him to you know three inning outings. I think his career high before us was something very low. They turned him loose this year. And, and what you loved was this was a guy who late into the season was getting through lineups a third time, three different pitches. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that I think, um, you know. He was outstanding the last month. I mean, he had one bad start in September, right. but in August he was, he was balled strong out. as ever. You know, the, 35 innings, five walks, he balled out. The size, the stuff, the makeup, I mean, the age. I mean, he's the young. It wasn't just like, oh, he had a in Cali. He was the youngest pitcher in the league on opening day. Yeah. No, and he, he dominated. He had a really nice season, and he's number six in the system. The guy who did not have a good season, JJ, was forced wall. And I'll tell you, the, uh, the, I'm, I'm teeing you up here because I know where this is going. <laughs> you don't like it? We go right back. We, we've, we've had this conversation. We've had this conversation off air. But forced wall, like, I have to go, when I'm editing Rocky's copy, I had to go back and read JJ what we wrote about Force Wall summer of 2013 and spring of 2014 out of high school. And same thing to you. I had to do the same thing to you to remind you this was once a guy who scouts were just convicted he was going to hit. And he has not hit as a pro. Do we know why? I. Pro ball is hard. And the thing about it is, is like, really, I, I, I wish I had a better answer for this, but really what it comes down to is, is that not only is pro ball hard, but 
Pro Ball shows you who you are pretty quickly. I really do believe. Yeah. And there was a reason Forrest Wall, like when I did the salary list, it was like, where's Forrest Wall? Well, I didn't talk to guys who saw him, who saw... Because the problem for Forrest Wall is, is that if we were talking about a shortstop, we'd be talking about something different. Right. Because when you say he hadn't hit, really what it comes down to is, is and again, he went, you know, Asheville and Modesto, both nice places. This is not, there's no death valleys here where you say, you know, where balls go to die or anything like that. But he didn't, he wasn't terrible in 2015 in the South Atlantic League. But, but he wasn't great. But he wasn't great. And when you are a guy, the bat is what it is for Forrest Wall. That's right. As a second baseman, the bat, you, you say, well, this guy should be a good hitter. I mean, that's, there's, there's legitimate questions about defensively where he ends up. He, he, um, he needs to get to work on his J-bands because well, he cannot throw. He's had, I believe, his two shoulder surgeries and the arm strength just hasn't bounced back. I mean, how, how wet noodly was his arm in person? So, it's funny, I actually, just by virtue of the schedule, I didn't get to see him in person mm-hmm. this year, so it was a lot more, I really had to lie on talk, talking to scouts, and what they all said was, it's funny, no one even actually brought the arm as much as they did the glove itself, which is supposed to be fine, but it wasn't. I mean, they talk about booting routine grounders, not having proper footwork, you know, charging when he should stay back, staying back when he should charge, I mean, just... It was a mess. It was like a feel for feel for the game defensively was not there. So it's like, you know, and it's funny. My favorite scout comment about him, you know, when I talk to all these guys, you know, we run through 75 to 100 guys we talk about, and I, not a single person brought his name up, which is always a red flag to me. Coach, <laughs> man, you know, yeah. managers, uh, players. And it was, when I asked about him, I got a few, huh, I don't remember him, which is also a red flag. It's a red flag. And the few that did, so let me look through my notes, and I mean, my favorite quote was, can't hit, can't feel, can't throw, can run a little bit. That, I mean, that, that's, that's not that, a glowing, that's not what you want for that, a $2 million guy. So, you know, I, and then that's from a pro scout who, you know, had no prior knowledge of him, just what they're seeing, who he is now. Right. And that, that's concerning. We, we, we <laughs> no talk question. about, we, we do talk about this on a regular basis, the difference of like when guys go from... Okay, they've been seen by amateur scouts to being seen by pro scouts. Yeah. Forrest Wall is a guy when pro scouts see him because they're not looking at it and saying, man, I love that bat. They come in there and they say, why'd this guy get $2 million? Right. They, they, come, they come in and they say, okay, what I'm looking at is a guy. And they're, I mean, let's, it's, it's very straightforward. Do I see this guy as a prospect? If I do, do I see him as a future big league regular? Do I see him as an impact player? Do I see him as a backup? Where does his role? And the problem with Forrest Wall, you just summed up, is he's going to have to hit a lot better to have a role because if he doesn't play second base, which is still a question, he he moves to the outfield. And if he moves to the outfield, he does run. But it's probably, I mean, you, you, there's a lot, there's as many guys who think he ends up in left as they do in center. It's definitely not going to be right. <laughs> yeah. And and then, again, you, you're just, you're, you're asking, you got to see more pop there. And he does run, but the, the speed doesn't really make an impact in games. He's not a particularly... 22 for 33, still in base. Right. It's anti-Jared Hampson. Right. It, it, it helps. It's like, it basically, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a wash for that standpoint. Because even if you're going to be a middle infield speed defense backup, you have to play defense better. So oh, that, and that's that. That's oh, the and, thing. And you can't, Honestly, and I've never thought he was a second baseman. I just I always thought to me, 
just doing draft stuff on him in 2014, I always thought, this guy sounds like Johnny Damon. I mean, like 20 arm or Ben Revere. That's what he sounded like to me. The guy's at the hit, be a leadoff guy, and you you get to that hide him in left field. And maybe, like, Ben Revere was throwing change-ups his whole career, <laughs> so he went from having a 30 arm to a 40 arm once he realized, oh, I got to grip the ball like this, really? You know, but Johnny Damon always had a, tw- a, a below the 28 scale arm. I mean, the, the worst arm in the big leagues. To be Johnny Damon, he had to have enough feel for playing center field that he could do that because he had no arm. And he had to have the kind of offense that he had where he was a little erratic player but had power and made a lot of contact and had 2,500 hits. I mean, that's a lofty player yeah, to be. Career. So Forrest Wall is pretty far from being Johnny Damon. That's what I thought his best-case scenario was, and J.J., he's just not trending that way. Donnie Dewey's versus Forrest Wall, two very similar they're the same. They're the same cat. Who, right who now. would you who would you prefer? I would still prefer Forrest Wall because the reports on Forrest Wall out of high school were just so good. Uh, I mean, active setup for rhythm hitter with uh, rhythm hitter with understanding of the strike zone, solid actions on defense, which he hasn't showed as a pro. Room to get stronger. High school version of Dustin Ackley, not work it out yet. <laughs> plus hit. Maybe plus run, that, that's an accurate. Energy. That is that is a, that ended up being an accurate prediction. Plus run plus hit. Uh, high energy player, I just the the, the it's just got to play. And the, I think again, a kid from Florida, you thought there was gonna be more polish. I don't think he's as polished as the Rockies thought. He that has not been borne out in pro ball. And I think the main thing, like you said, is pro ball's hard. He's running into some adversity here that's not injury related. It's performance related. How does he bounce back? I think it's a huge year for him developmentally. I think he's got to go back to the Cal League. And has and show the Rockies and the baseball industry that he can hit, and that there's some impact in the back because he's a he's got to be a bad first player. Especially now that they're going to Lancaster from Modesto. You know, Modesto, there's high gaps, so you can hit some doubles. There's there's definitely uh, some some things you can do, but it's not really an offensive you know launching pad by any means. Right. Lancaster is that's a place you can go get some confidence. You know, show you know start to believe in yourself a little more and. I, I, I would agree. I mean, I think you probably do have to play him back there. Here, here, it here. also would test him the outfield because the high winds really wreak havoc. Yes. You, know, you learn how to play a really good outfield in Lancaster. It's a good place to learn to play outfield. Here's another uh, Florida Diamond Club report from uh, our own at Clint underscore BA. Uh, hashtag Columbus. 6.5 in the 60. 415, 402 to first. Line drives everywhere. Power potential. Almost painful watching him throw. They were rainbows, and he winced at times. That's how bad the arm was. T20'd it. Um, but has to be one of the best high school hitters in the country. Love the bat. And you go through our draft covers that year, and there he was a split-camp guy. But there were 10 to 12 teams that were all in on Forest Wall. And then there were others that just knew, $2 million, I'm out because of the arm. And I think the teams that have been... I, I the Rockies right now are you know waiting to see I think, and their minds they haven't seen the right forced wall yet, and I think you have to hope for his sake and the Rockies they haven't. But if this is the real forced wall, he's not a guy. The and that's thing, just at the bottom line. This was a big time hitter out of 2014 draft, and so far he hasn't lived up to it. The funny thing is, is he was comp to Dustin Ackley there, and there well, are does he drift like Dustin Ackley did? Like I mean, there there comes back to it's like that is kind of. He he could be on the same path, which is is that Dustin Ackley is a better version of this. But Dustin Ackley yes. was at, thought by many to be as safe a hitter as there had been in the draft 
I can't imagine why I hit 412 in three years right. <laughs> with power. Right. And the and reality, man. but the reality of it is, is that when you look at dust, when you talk about like, why does it happen? I mean, it's tough to sometimes answer that question. But that's Dustin Ackley's pro career. You know, it, it, that, that 412 was never there. Yeah. I mean, again, it wasn't going to be 241 with a 304 on base in 2,100 big league at bats, and he's 29 years old. We, he's established. The bat never, the bat did not translate from amateur ball to pro ball. Now, like the Angels taking a flyer on him and seeing if he could help him this offseason. I mean, I. But they're acquiring him, and he is. He's not just not there. He's a distressed asset. Right. He is not a. He's not only like he's not option A. He's barely option B. Although you've seen some left fielders they've put out in recent years, you never know. Although right. They acquired Cam Maven this year, but we'll see. I I will say, you know, Dustin Ackley obviously is a guy everyone loves to to you know get down. I mean, he's still in the big leagues, going on his seventh year. Right. You know, he's but JJ's still, saying you know, Dustin Ackley's the better version. Like, first right. of all, has so, something to get to to get to Dustin but, Ackley. Right. But Dustin Ackley, the thing is though, is he's is got that, six million dollars out of the draft. No, no question, he hasn't lived up to what he's supposed to be. But saying. At least he's, you know, Makes a big leaguer. I love Dusty. Uh, at least he's a big leaguer who's having a career, which at this point, Forrest Wall is going to have to take significant steps to even get to that. Dustin Ackley, I think, is the first player I ever went up to at the end of his college career and thanked him for being so awesome. <laughs> he was just—he was so much fun to watch for three years to see a dude who could run and could hit in college baseball. See, and the second player was Trey Turner. But let me take a different part of that, which is, is that, again, with Ackley, the thing that Ackley faced coming out of was, where is he going to play? Right. That's I do of, wonder with Forrest Wall, when you talk about offensively, as we said, he's had significant arm. That, that, that does weigh on you a little bit. Yeah. When you have a part of your game that is a, a, a significant challenge, I do wonder if he's a guy who eventually, you know, if you move him to the outfield and you take away some of the defensive responsibility, does that free him up some of the plate? But that was, of course, that was also the hope with Dustin Ackley. We saw it with um, Franchi Cordero a little bit with the Padres. He was a shortstop, made 126 errors in 158 games. I mean, we're talking, <laughs> there's stories of balls landing four rows up. Um, they moved to the outfield, said forget about it, and voila, relaxed, everything eased up. It was a natural fit, so you can see. But I think the, the good thing from the Rockies' big picture perspective is if Forrest Wall does turn around, great, awesome. They don't need him to. He's not their number one, number two guy. They're kind of they're That's set a great point. in the middle infield. You know, even if it's just hey, let's just hang on to Mayhew and Story, and then you have Rogers behind them. You they're have, not counting on right. Well, you're so right. It, it's something where hey, if he works out, great. But he's not going to make or break this system or the Rockies' future. That's a great. That's a great point. A great way to end it because it is a good system, um, and uh, I think we all like the, the what the Rockies have done uh, farm system wise. And there's depth. There's other guys we didn't even talk about that we like. So I like Antonio Zanzatella. I like Jordan Patterson. I like Jordan Patterson. Like John Mabry, who can run. You know, I think he's a really good big league reserve. You know, yeah, um, so they that. have they have some interesting pieces. I think we think the Rockies are going to be all right. But what, how how they are this year going to be interesting. I just think it's stunning. I mean, this is their 25th year. They've never won more than 92 games. I think uh, playing at altitude is uh, very difficult. So. Kyle, thanks for coming in. Thank you for tuning in today's Baseball America podcast. A reminder that all of our podcasts and Facebook Live broadcasts are sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you're a baseball fan, you need to check out Baseballism.com or visit their retail locations in Cooperstown, New York, and Scottsdale, Arizona. Visit Baseballism.com and enter the code BA2017 to save 20% off. For JJ and Kyle, I'm John Manuel. And for baseballism, we'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. 
Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.